Thanks for tuning in to the Body Talk Podcast. I'm Danny George. In this podcast, we are prepared to dive into the science and mystery behind body language. The goal is to learn how to improve your body language and what to do on a day-to-day basis. Hope you enjoy. Hello, I'm Danny George, and I'll be your host for the Body Talk Podcast. In this episode, we will go over how body language plays a role in sports and also how it plays a role in the interview process. Me and my colleagues, Andrew Stratton, Tyler Wemple, and John DeRosa will all be diving into this strange and mysterious topic of body language and how it affects our day-to-day lives. And for those thinking that it doesn't affect your day-to-day lives, picture what you go through every day, what your mom and dad see, what your brothers or sisters see. They're evaluating you on your body language. They can tell if you're sad or upset angry or happy just by the way you're walking around the house and especially in a time like this when we're all trapped inside the house our body language will show a lot about what we think of each other one big role where body language plays a huge part is the interview process if you are going into an interview you want to make sure that your body language is to the best of your ability you want to make sure that you stand up sit up straight make eye contact don't have your hands under the table, don't tap your leg, all things that are just courteous, non-spoken rules in an interview. But if you don't know this, that might be the difference between you getting the job and you not getting the job. Our very own Andrew Stratton had his own interview with a uh, boss at a company, and he described his interview process with us, and we are very grateful for that. Let's listen to some of the things he said. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Danny. Andrew, thank you for joining me today. No problem. My pleasure. I uh, just want to get a quick uh, view on uh, your status on body language from an interviewee standpoint. Absolutely. All right. Sounds great. Let me ask you the first question. Um, while in an interview, are you worried about how you look on the outside? Um, I think that you're definitely worried about how you look on the outside just because that's the person interviewing you's uh, like first impression of you. So that's the first thing that like they see before you even um, like when you first walk in the room, they're first, they're not even going to notice like what you're saying. They're going to be looking at you and how you're presenting yourself. So um, in terms of like, you're always going to be, or it's, it's good to be worried about um, what the other person's thinking constantly. So like always, be like having uh kind of open body language and 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 um kind of not closing yourself off too much i think are definitely huge things um yeah but also open, of course of course yeah like and it, it's it's always a conversation like uh, an interview or I, f- I find that those kind of interviews uh work better so yeah. i i think that if if you can turn it into a conversation then that person's going to be comfortable with you and you're going to be comfortable with that person. And that's definitely starts with how you look. And uh, it's definitely a big thing to take into consideration. Yeah, I agree hundred percent there. Um, you always want it to be more relaxed and more chill in an interview standpoint. You don't want to, you know, be all stuck up. You kind of want to be free, but also look presentable. So yeah, I agree with you there. Exactly. Um, the next question, what are the things that you did in the interview uh, to make yourself look more presentable. So like if you sat up straight or uh, do you have your arms folded and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that those are big things. Like, I mean, 
you you're always trying to make yourself look presentable in terms of your clothing, but sometimes that you need more. So in terms of like you were saying, like sitting up straight, um, if you're slouching, you're not putting across kind of what you're uh, looking for, like what they're looking for. Um, so it's definitely a thing that you have to try to overcome that like urge to kind of shrink on yourself. And I think yeah. that it, your your real your confidence can show through if you're sitting up straight and you're you're doing things the um, the right way and being open. And I find that um, like smiling is a huge thing. So people yeah, don't that like and eye contact. That's that and eye contact are, are huge things. because if you don't have that, then they're not going to trust you. There's not that that um, bond that you've already shared. So I, I think that that's huge and it just makes you appear more professional. Like if you're smiling in a, in a professional setting, then they know that you're going to be doing that in all your professional settings or you've trained yourself exactly. to do that. Um, thank you for that one. Uh, the next question is what are some things or no, what would you like to do to work on and improve your body language to improve my body language? I think definitely I, I find that I, I during interviews and, and such like that, I, I tend to move too much. So I, I think that um, I just have to adjust how much I move because the the thing is like movement, I think is good because it, it engages the other person that you're contacting. And I tend to move my hands. Um, I'm even doing it right now, but I, t- I tend to move my hands in a way that I'm trying to express what I'm saying. Yeah, you talk but, with your hands. Everyone does that. Exactly. But it, I find that I'm moving too much, whether my legs bouncing too much or just kind of signs of stress or anxiety about the interview can sometimes yeah, show yeah. through. And so just trying to adjust that and not limit it so much as like control it and like put it forward in like a different way. So whether that's sitting up straighter or smiling more, like I think that those are both really like important things to, to kind of re- reduce the excess like energy that you're putting out because you you want to have a lot of energy but you don't want so much so that the other person is going to be uncomfortable i think that that's a huge thing yeah um the last question is um what are some things that you did to better your body language for the interview like did you what what would you practice um and did you have to practice for the interview because i know a lot of people they think oh i'm just going to go into the interview i'm going to dress nice i'm going to speak clearly but they don't really think that they should practice what they're going to do beforehand. Did you practice at all or what was your stage before? I, I think for, for one of them I did. The, the first one that I did in terms of trying to get into college, like I went and interviewed um, for that um, and for job interviews, I didn't really have a lot of practice, but I, I just sort of wung it and I, I put myself across. And again, it was a little bit too much. Like it, it was a little bit like I, I think I probably came across a little bit grating or a little bit like um, – over anxious or something like that but based on those um experiences i was able to kind of practice and i i i definitely practiced um eye contact because i i try to follow not a rule but like i try to keep my eye contact moving especially if i'm interviewing with like a group of people so for one of my interviews i was interviewing with a like a, a committee so it was three people and i would try to spend like three or four seconds on one person before moving to the next person. But so just enough eye contact that it, I was, they were engaged, but not enough that they were like, af- not afraid, but like they, I was focusing Awkward, in too much yeah. on them. Like that would have been too much. Um, so that I definitely practiced or not, not even practiced, but just thought about more. I, th- yeah. I don't know if, how much you can practice about it as much as you think and visualize like, 
okay, this is what I'm doing in my body language. And this is what I need to do um, yeah. to change it and that kind of thing. So I think that that definitely happened, um, especially for my second and third interviews. Um, and that definitely helped. It made a huge difference. All right. Um, well, thank you for a great conversation today. Great phone call. I no look uh, forward to talking to you in the future. Sounds great. All right. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Body language plays a vital role in the interview process. As you could see from Andrew said, he sat up straight, spoke clearly, showed his hands above the table, didn't shake anything, didn't shake his leg, didn't tap his leg. All little cues that the interviewer is looking for. If you, It's okay to be nervous in the interview. Everyone will be. This interview will decide your fate if you get a job or not. But you also want to look confident. Confidence is key, and confidence will be shown through body language. If you are sitting up straight, making eye contact, talking clearly, They'll know, your comp- they'll know your confidence from the level of your body language. But if you are slouched in the chair, laid back, you know, not really caring, then you're automatically going to be excused from the job opportunity. That's why body language is so important. Body language could be the difference in you getting a job and not getting a job. It's the difference between if you get your next paycheck and if you don't get your next paycheck. It's the difference between if you get fired And if you stay hired, you need to keep your job and you need to keep your body language almost perfect. Incredible how so many people overlook this topic and just go into the interview process saying, I'm just going to go in there based off my credentials. I should get the job. That is not true. That is not true. If you are a people person, if you are confident, if you are sitting up straight, if you have the credentials and the body language, then you will get the job. You can't have one without the other. I have learned from past experience that body language will affect you in the world of sports, whether it be negative or positive. I played on my varsity basketball team my junior and senior year, and my coach told me something about body language. His words exactly stated, if I see you on the bench, slouched, not active in the game, not cheering on your fellow teammates, you will not go back in the game. And I understood that. I said, that makes sense. Your body language and your devotion needs to be the team. You can't be in it for yourself and your body language will show that. Another quote he had stated, If you want to play, show me you want to play by cheering your teammates on from the bench. I also really like this quote because it really is important. And for my two years on the varsity basketball team, I was never angry on the bench. I was always energetic, always standing up clapping, always cheering on my fellow teammates who were on the court. And when I was on the court, I saw them do the same for me. I realized that body language played such a big role in my playing time that I had to make sure that my body language and my attitude was always positive. Even after a bad game, tried to stay positive. Even after a bad couple minutes in the game, tried to stay positive. Because I knew when I provided a spark in my game that my teammates and my coach would realize this. Coaches see body language of their players. 
They can see if you don't want to practice. They can see if you don't want to play. And they can see if you do want to play. That's why I always tried to exhibit the best body language that I had. My coach, Fred DiCarlo, was one of my greatest coaches and greatest friends I've ever had. He taught me more things about basketball than anybody ever had. He also taught me how to change my body language from when I was on JV to when I was coming to varsity. He said to me, if you want to play, you got to show me how you're going to play. Show me how energetic you are on the bench and carry that over into the game. And that's exactly what I did. I'd be the most energetic kid on the team every night, every practice, every game. I didn't let our record or the score or the other team get into my head. I just made sure I was true to myself and true to my body language. He told me after my senior season, he said, you were one of the greatest hardworking players he had seen. And he said, if you can keep up the same work and same body language and show your coaches, your future coaches, how you're gonna make an impact and how you're gonna be positive, you will succeed. And I think that carries over into the real world, real world situation. If you keep, stay positive and have your body language positive and not negative, no matter what happens, you will succeed. You will go farther in life. You will meet new people. You will have more experiences and more chances to succeed if you stay positive to your body language. Even if you do not play sports, there's a chance at some point in your life you have watched sports, whether it be football, soccer, baseball, basketball, lacrosse, anything, the Olympics even. (laughs) I live in East Chester, New York. I'm a New York Knicks fan, New York Yankees fan, New York Jets fan, and a New York Rangers fan. And I know, not some of the most glorious franchises ever, but I make sure I support my team through thick and thin. When you're going to a game or a match or an event, it's a sense of happiness and excitement. You get to cheer on your team. You get to cheer on the professional athletes that have decided to play for your city. I can remember going to a New York Rangers playoff game. Game six. Eastern semifinals against the Philadelphia Flyers. New York Rangers needed a win to force a game seven, playing at home at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. I had gone with my uncle, great seats, section 207. And we got there, you could sense the excitement in the stadium. You could sense how everyone was eager for the puck to drop. Everyone was cheering, everyone was clapping, had a few chants going before the game started. And when the game started, the excitement went through the roof. Everyone's body language you could see, standing up, excited, confident, hungry for a win. And when the Rangers won 
at the end of the game, leaving Madison Square Garden, thunderous, let's go Rangers chants, filled the streets of New York City. You could hear it for blocks away. Everyone's body language was up. Everyone was high-fiving. Everyone was happy. Everyone was screaming. Because they just had a positive stimulus that went into their brains, and now they were going to be happy for the rest of the day. Got back to another game. New York Rangers, Game 2, Eastern Semifinals, 2014. Rangers lost, and the energy in the stadium dropped. Everyone was sad. No one was chanting. Everyone walked out, didn't say anything to each other. Everyone was angry. And you could see that body language will show your emotions, even if you're not speaking. I could tell that the person sitting next to me was really upset, had his head in his hands, didn't even want to look at the rest of the game, losing so badly. Walking out of the stadium, there was no chance, there was no speaking, everyone was just ready to go home. And this shows that body language plays such a pivotal role in sports, not just for the players, but for the fans. Us fans are involved. We're devoted. We support our teams. I'll be a New York Jet fan till the day I die. No matter if I see a Super Bowl between that time. I will always go to New York Knicks games and always go to New York Ranger games. And for all you sports fans out there, I assume that you will always support your team too, no matter what happens. When you're on your team, you have a responsibility. You have to be at practice on time, at the games on time, and be engaged and devoted to the team no matter what. This means that if you're riding the bench, you have to stay devoted. This means that if you're a star player going to the league someday, that you still need to be at practice on time working your butt off. This means that you cannot fool around in the games because you know you're better than everyone. These are things that are shown as body language. You could tell if someone thinks they're too good for the team. They'll show up late. They won't care. They know they're going to get in the game anyway. That doesn't fly anymore. You need to know your role on the team. And you need to know your boundaries. And you need to know how to be respectful and how to learn from your coach. Your body language needs to be perfect when you're playing in a game because you are representing the school, the city, or the town, and your teammate. You are representing yourself and the school when you have that jersey on. Your body language needs to be positive. If you Go into a match or a game thinking, oh, I'm just going to win this one easily. It shows. You'll be joking around in warm-ups thinking, eh, kids over there aren't even a challenge. And then 
you'll lose the game by 30 points when you were supposed to win by 50. It happens frequently. From the co-rec leagues in middle school to on a professional level in any sport. That's why the underdog always has a chance. Because you could tell from their body language that they're hungrier. They want it more. They're more engaged. Sometimes the better team, they're like, we don't even need to look at these guys. We're going to win. We're going to blow them out by 20. That's not what happens. Sometimes you may get lucky. But if you're in high school or college and scouts are looking at you to take your talents to the next level and your body language in warm-ups and in the game is not prestige, then you will not be getting that scholarship or not be able not be able to get that chance to play at the next level. I have seen this firsthand. I went to a college basketball game at Iona College, a very skilled player, looking to transfer to a D1 school. Coach K was in attendance. Watched him during warm-ups, saw that he was not taking the other team seriously, and before the game even started, Coach K walked out because of his body language. And if that doesn't strike you as body language is important, then I don't know what will. Because if Coach K doesn't, if Coach K evaluates you on your body language, it is important. Our very own John DeRosa is on the men's Springfield College cross-country team. He exhibits some of the best body language as a college athlete that I have seen in a while. I've watched the basketball team, the football team, the soccer team, their body language in practice and in games. And John probably has the best out of all of them. He always looks engaged and ready for the next topic. He always looks eager to get to the next activity and is always looking hungry for his next competition. Let's hear what John has to say about his views on body language. Hello, John. Hello. Thank you for joining me today. Thank Uh, you for having me. I know you're an athlete at Springfield College on the cross-country team, so I thought I'd ask you a couple questions and uh, get your views on body language. Sure, absolutely. All right, well, uh, we'll start with this. As a, as a player, does your body language change when your coach or other uh, captains or players are watching you? Yes. Um, in workouts or in races or just, um, just like stretching even, like when your coach looks at you, like you want her to know that you are putting eff- your full force effort into everything you put, you do. So, um, yeah, so from the slightest things to like the most important things, um, when someone's watching me, that's important on my team. Um, I always, you know, look confident and look like I'm giving it my all. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's always good to make sure that your coach knows you're working so that if you ever called upon the moment in the spurt of the game, someone gets hurt, injury, your next man up, you want to know that your coach has your back. It's very oh, yes. Uh, the next question is, uh, when you're getting ready for a race, what is your body language like and how are you feeling? 
Well, inside, um, obviously, I am very nervous. You know, I am nervous to partake in the race because um, you want to do well. You want to PR. You want to beat teams that are your rivals. But you know that you cannot show that outside. On the outside, um, just very, very, I look very confident. Um, you know, game face on. I don't smile. Yeah. Don't frown either. Just, just straight cool, face. Cool, calm, and composed. Yep. For sure. All right. Thank you. Uh, the next question is, do you try to keep your body language and routine the same in practices so that when you're going to a meet, it's not a very different change in scenery? Yeah, definitely. Um, I treat every workout like a race because um, workouts and running. So there's like easy mileage and then workouts. Easy mileage is to build the base and then workouts is to you know stimulate a race and get better and get faster. So every workout i treat like a race same mentality same prep same game face same body language that's smart that's smart keep yourself ready for the game that way that when it's your turn to go you know you have something to prove it's not going to be a different change in scenery you'll be ready for it that's smart very smart absolutely absolutely um the, the next question is is there anything that you've learned to better your body language in a sporting standpoint Yes. So um, in running, the biggest lesson I learned, this probably just running, is looking back is like falling down. If you look back in a race, that shows your opponent that you are weak and that you are tired and that you're going to be passed. So if there's one thing, if you're a runner in a race, say a charity 5K or you know a collegiate race, never look back because that is the worst form of language. That's a very interesting take. Uh, I don't do very much uh, cross country or running, but I know... I've run from soccer and experience, and I know always never to turn around because when yeah. you turn around, the defense is coming towards you. Then they're yeah. gonna they see fear when you turn around because you're not as confident as you look just running straight forward to the ball or to the end uh, line. Thank you for that. Thank and uh, you. the last question is: uh, I've seen in class, and a lot of people I'm sure have noticed it that your body language is very well. You sit up straight. You're engaged. You are. Uh, you're always paying attention. Uh, is there something that you pra- was that something that you practiced or was it taught by your parents or was it something else? Did it just spur? Um, I believe it was taught by my parents and also by the teachers growing up. Um, I think just showing, just simply by showing the teacher in class that you're engaged and that you're like interested. Um, I think it goes a long way, like longer than you think, because like it shows yeah. that teacher that you care about what you're learning and that you could build upon your education. Yeah, I and obviously we all know when. When we're sitting in class and we know we're daydreaming at the window, we're more likely to get called on by the teachers. So, you know, you, you sit up, you look engaged. You, uh, teacher's like, oh, he, he'll be good for today. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, thank you for joining me today. Thank uh, you. I look forward to talking to you in the future and working with you. Absolutely. Uh, so this was Danny George uh, with John DeRosa for the Body Talk podcast. Uh, I look forward to our listeners every week and uh, have a good day. Thank you. All right, I'll see you later. See you. Thank you. My colleague, John DeRosa, who is on the Springfield College men's cross-country team, has also expressed feelings towards the game of poker. He says that poker is one of the most insane body language activities that he does in his life poker requires the most perfect body language because if you don't have that then you will be at fault for all the other players on the table 
Your body language is your game in poker. You want to make sure that you keep your head down, maybe wear sunglasses, don't look at anybody but your cards, the dealer, and your chips. One thing that poker players do is they never discuss their moves before they do it. Everything that they do is spot on because they are reacting off of what other players are doing. One person that defies all these rules, though, is Daniel Negrano. Daniel Negrano is one of the most interesting poker players in the world and is regarded as one of the best poker players in the world. He is always talking at the table, always starting a conversation, always expressing his emotions at the table. And for normal poker players, they've never seen this before. They feel that you should always be quiet at the table. But Daniel Negrano has a different theory. He wants to get inside the head of his opponents. And if he can do that, their body language will crack and he will have the upper hand. I feel there is a lot to learn from what Daniel Negrano does in one poker game. He's moving around in the chair and expresses his feelings with his hands and talks to everyone. His quote says, vomit of the mouth, which means he just talks. He just talks and talks and talks. And eventually he does get his opponents to break. And that's why he has so much money and always has the most amount of chips after every game. Daniel Negrano has body language like I've never seen before. He has the advantage to manipulate people with his own body language and create success for himself. It's truly amazing what he does. And I do suggest that you watch one of his poker games and just see and examine what he does on every hand. He acts totally different on every hand. Body language, different. Tone of his voice, different. The way he looks at his cards, different. The way he talks to his other opponents, different. These are all things that lead to his success. But his body language always, always remains perfect. And he never cracks under pressure. I feel that even if you just watch one of Daniel Negrano's poker games, that your body language will be better. And I please advise that you do. Hello, John. Hello, Danny. Um, I know we talked earlier about uh, your college status as an athlete on the men's cross-country team, but you've also expressed some like likeliness to poker. Is that true? That is true, Danny. Um, and I know poker takes a lot of body language. You know, you don't want people to be reading your body language because that could give an inclination of what your cards could be. Could you just run through a little bit of what you do to hide your body language? Yeah, so um, obviously the term poker face is a very famous term um, used in society. It's just when playing poker, you need to be as just as hollow as possible. Like you have to have just like a dead look on your face. Um, if you if you have a bad set of cards, you have to just act like you have a good set of cards, or just act just normal as possible. Because if you show any sign of like a smirk or a frown or anything like that, then um, you will obviously crack down and uh, lose the match. Yeah, I know bluffing is probably the biggest part of that mm. game, and that in 
that in itself requires a lot of body language. You know, when you're pushing out your chips, you know, everyone's thinking, oh, everyone always wants to think, what does this guy have in his cards and his hand? And it's your job as your player to hide that. You, you know, you might wear sunglasses or a hat or a hoodie. You know, you never want to, you never want your mouth to move and you never want them to be able to see your eyes. So I think it's really important for people who want to work on their body language to watch what a poker player does. Yeah. And if you want to play poker, that's all by you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, for sure. And I think a lot of what it is, is not talking too. Definitely not talking. Because when you talk, you can use your hands. You can move your head. You can move your body to kind of express yourself. Mm-hmm. In poker, I feel like if you say something, it's you don't move and you just say check or bet 3,000. Is that true? Is there a lot of talking at the table when you play or no? That is true. It's very, very subtle. And um, growing up um, in grammar school, uh, middle school, high school, I was actually very quiet. Like I would say a little to few words in class. Um, I would talk at recess and stuff and at like lunch, but um, in class, you know, while discussing or just, you know, doing work, I would be very, very uh, to myself. And I think that works in poker as well because, like, minimal, minimal talking, like, talk as little as possible. Obviously, to, to communicate, obviously, you have to. But um, other than that, though, very, very uh, quiet. And uh, another person in poker is a very famous poker player, Daniel Negrano. Yep. Um, he is almost the opposite of what you would think a normal poker player yeah, is. He's the outlier. He is always speaking, always talking to the other players, but he is regarded as one of the best poker players in the world because of his body language. Mm-hmm. He might try to get into your head, but he's not letting you into his. He is very cool, calm, and collected in every single hand. And I think that's really something to take notice of because if you can stay cool, calm, and collective in any situation and have your body language be confident then i think it's really going to help you in life for sure like definitely like i take his um approach into running interview for jobs interview for school um like you know while racing you want to have that um approach like he does same thing with like in job interview or just like you know very something very serious just be very very cool calm and collective but don't let your opponent you know get into your head yeah i think one of the most important things is to have your mind sealed off Mm-hmm. If you don't let anything get into your head and you are determined to stay in the game and determined to succeed, then I think your body language and your attitude and everything else will follow smoothly. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, growing up, I'm not going to lie, I was very, very nervous, very timid. Um, you know, I would crack down easily. You know, if somebody, you know, sometimes mean to me, I would like crack down and fall down. I would, you know, be a terrible liar. But, you know, from running, playing poker and just, you know, seeing other body language, I think I definitely have improved on that. Yeah. And uh, you probably haven't played with fans, but as you're a poker player and you have fans in attendance, you know, if you're at big matches, big money tournaments like Daniel Negrano plays in, what do you think the role of the fan plays? Like, do you think they're excited watching every hand or you think they have to you know, be kind of nervous on what the hand's going to bring. You know, I would say nervous. You know, whenever I watch it on ESPN or um, on, like, any sports network or any just TV channel in general, you know, I am very, very nervous. Like, you know, I pretend that I am in the match itself. And, um, mm. you know, because if somebody loses a lot of money, you know, you feel for them. Like, you know, like, oh, my gosh, so much suck. So I think, you know, being nervous every move in the match is um, something I do. Yeah. And going to another topic, uh, 
What sports do you watch? Um, I'm big into baseball. I'm in football. And then basketball and hockey a little bit, but mostly um, football and baseball. So have you ever attended any Major League Baseball, Major League Football games? I've been to actually zero uh, NFL games. I've been to about like 16 uh, Yankees games. So you've been to Yankees games. You've, I, I'm assuming you've seeming, seen some wins and some losses. Yeah, right. sure. What do you – describe the stadium – after a win and after a loss? Because I've seen both hands after a playoff loss, after just a regular season loss, and after a preseason loss from all different types of sports. You know what? Uh, and the attitude is – oh, sorry. Uh, the attitude is um always different with every game. If it's a playoff loss, then, you know, nobody's talking to anybody after the game. Everyone's angry. But if it's playoff win, you know, there's chants through the streets that can be heard 20 blocks away. So what do you think uh, – what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, it's obviously a – it could be an amazing or terrible experience. Um, I went to a game once. It was Yankees-Red Sox, big rivalry, you know, one of the biggest rivalries in sports in, um, in history. And this was a close game down on the wire. When the extra innings and then A-Rod, um, Alec Rodriguez had a walk-off home run. And then, you know, they were playing New York, New York by Frank Sinatra, you know, walking down into the train. You know, fans were going crazy. We were just like, you know, saying, let's go Yankees, Red Sox. Yeah. Sox. You know, it's awesome. But obviously, I've also been on the other – end of the stick um tough losses you know one run losses or just blowouts they hurt um you know the train ride home going back to my home state of connecticut they are long train rides you know um very depressing and um yeah not good that's why i think body language plays such a big role not even just for the the athlete standpoint but for the fans even when you're watching a game at home you're watching your favorite nfl team and they lose on a game winning field goal Oh, your body language for the rest of the day will just be sad and mopey and melancholy and you won't want to do anything. Yeah. And it really carries over to everything. For sure. If you're in a job and you have a bad day, say you're a salesman and you don't sell a lot of cars that day or something, you're going to be sad. But if you sell a lot of cars that day, going to be happy. You're going to be energetic. So I think it really pays. I think you have, really have to pay attention to what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Definitely. For sure. And, you know, um, a big thing for teaching is like, you know, no matter what, um, my goal for when I become a teacher is to bring it every day. You know, you know, it's inevitable to have bad days. You know, there'll be bad days where, you know, you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, everything's going bad for you. You know, you're stressed out with, you know, your personal life or whatever. And, you know, you want to take it out on the students or just take it out on your job. But uh, my goal in life is to, like, you know, bring a good energy no matter what every day to school. Exactly. So, uh, Thank you for talking with me today, John. Thank you. I look forward to our conversations in the future. Thank you so much. Our next clip is a TED Talk from Amy Cuddy. She's an American social psychologist, author, and speaker. She is known best for her promotion of power posing, which is another form of body language. She explains how body language can affect the day-to-day lives of a person. Let's give it a listen valid way to look at this. So social scientists have spent a lot of time looking at the effects of of our body language or other people's body language on judgments. And we make sweeping judgments and inferences from body language. And those judgments can predict really meaningful life outcomes like who we hire or promote, um, who we ask out on a date. For example, uh, Nalini Ambadi, a researcher at Tufts University, shows that when people watch 30-second 30 uh, soundless clips of real physician-patient interactions, their judgments of the physician's niceness predict whether or not that physician will be sued. 
So it doesn't have to do so much with whether or not that physician was incompetent, but do we like that person and how they interacted? Um, even more dramatic, Alex Todorov at Princeton has shown us that um, judgments of political candidates' faces in just one second predict 70% of U.S. Senate and gubernatorial race outcomes. I've been your host, Danny George. Thank you for listening to the Body Talk podcast. I look forward to all of you joining us next week for our episode two. Episode two will consist of how politicians, EMTs, police officers, and firefighters use body language to their advantage in critical situations and also how the public views their own body language. This episode is going to be juicy, so I highly recommend you stopping by to give it a listen. Thank you for joining us today. Will people judge you before you speak? Make an assumption about your personality? We are investigating this topic of body language with all of you. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Body Talk. See you next time. Our next clip will be just a good conversation between my two colleagues, Andrew Stratton and John DeRosa, as we discuss the body language of public speaking and how facial expression can affect your body language. Let's give it a listen.